it's possible for a child to be born evil. Hello and welcome back to Scream 101. I'm Brennan. And I'm Sergio. And we are sort of almost at the end of the Omen franchise. We're really starting to wrap these things up. It feels uh feels very autumnal. I forgot what we were reviewing. <laughs> That's not good. Um yeah, so we will be reviewing Omen 4 The Awakening from 1991, the grand old year of 1991. Released by Fox in a made-for-TV special. That is true. Um, but first, we're going to do some time-order reviews of movies we've watched. Well, actually, in the, pa- <clears throat> in the past month, because we uh, took a break from recording over November, and we pre-recorded last week's episode. So this is the first time we're actually like catching up on this. Yeah, cool. So let's, let's do some of that. Um, I think I'll start. Um, Teen Witch, which we watched on Halloween. Um, the half-assed musical of my dreams. Who could top that? Teen Witch. Magical 80s trash with well-connected cast. Oh. Oh, you mean because it's Blake Lively's sister? It's everybody. Didn't we like do research? Everybody's related to somebody in that movie. Well, every, everyone in the world's related to someone. I mean, that's true. If you want to be a little snarty about it. Anyway, we also watched another TV movie, uh, the 1996 Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which was kind of a backdoor pilot for the show, but only Melissa Joan Hart was in it. And, and Jenny. And Jenny and no one else. So, Sabrina 1996. Hardly a movie and not worth a review. Ooh, savage. And my review is, impossible to imagine how this spawned the greatest 90s show. Friends was the greatest 90s show. Maybe. I do love Friends. And it was the greatest 90s show. Like, that's not even up for debate. It was literally number one. I mean, we should ask Hugh Jackman, which is the greatest show, because he knows. Okay, so Fantastic Beasts 2. Not the best, but uh, proves JK's got room to grow. Yeah, my review of Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald is incoherent from the title down. Rowling's first abject failure, Coates. Coats? Because there's good coats in it. Oh, okay. Um, and also, eventually, you can... Well, yeah, you can check out our review of Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash scream101, along with other reviews of current f- films and stuff like that. Yeah. So be sure you do that this holiday season. <laughs> it's the gift that your loved one will try cherish forever. Yeah. It's for only 2 month. or $3. <laughs> anyway, um, we're, gonna, we're here to talk about The Omen 4. We rate everything out of five on scariness, campiness, effects, and quality. But first, here's the really brief plot synopsis that is on Google. Because do you really need more plot synopsis for Owen 4? Like, we get it. People love it. <laughs> yes. Um, a Virginia congressman, Michael Woods, and his wife, Faye Grant, see signs of the devil in their adopted daughter, Delia, uh, Asia Vieira. So that's about it for this plot. It's literally just the omen, but with a girl. But also, spoiler alert, the girl turns out to not even be the Antichrist. So, feminism loses today, my friends. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, Was I yeah. supposed to say something? You were looking at me. I was just, I was just gazing upon your beauty um, to steal myself for the rest of this episode. Sorry, I'm not awake right now. So, uh, Sergio, what's your scariness score? Two. 
Oh, that's actually what I'm giving it also. Um, is yours a generous too? Yeah. Mine is very generous. I mean, I don't know. I, I think, like, if we were going to make any horror movie into a TV movie, like, with the restrictions and, um, you know, kind of morals that TV tries to uphold, like, less gore, less language, less nudity, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. I think The Omen was probably a good choice for that. Because it's really toned down. It's more political drama than anything. Yeah. Or political horror, I should say. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, the the Omen movies are more about religious terror and less about, like, all of those horror movie tropes. So I think they made a good decision. They just didn't make a very good movie. You're right. And I give... That's why my scores are going to be as generous as they are. Uh-huh. Is because they are working within the constraints of a television movie that was made for a public television. Yeah, for Fox. So... Um, it's a pretty big audience. I mean, um, yeah, it was the intended first of many films that they were going to adapt into potential TV movie franchises, and you know that that never ended up happening. <laughs> well, the executives at Fox are known for not doing the best work. Although they gave us The Simpsons and Married with Children, so gotta love them. Uh, anyways, uh, so yeah, so the movie wasn't really that scary. There was something that was really they tried hard to control your fear in this movie with. Um, the jump scares of the day as cued by music. Um, oh, boy. The the music is a special... That, that's, that's like its own segment of this episode. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, that let me know to pay attention because at certain points I'd already started tuning out and I was like, okay, now the music's back, getting me back in because it's so loud and just hovers over every scene. Uh, so I was like, okay, like this is going to be scary. But did did anything actually in the plot frighten you even in a single iota? Um, not super because it was all things I'd seen before, um, like the guy getting his head cut off in the car. Uh, yeah, which was which is very similar to um, the guy's death in the original. Mm-hmm. The dog throwing the girl out the window. Oh yeah, she pushes the nanny out the window. It's yeah, it's a lot of deaths from the original, just kind of. You know, Redone. shaken up in a in a Yahtzee cup and dumped out onto a script. Uh huh. Um, one thing I found gross was the weird snake scene. Oh yeah, we're um, uh, I'm super unclear as to how specifically this character dynamic worked. Um, but I believe the nun who helped birth the this child in the beginning, mm-hmm. she goes crazy and starts having visions and becomes like a cult leader. In. I thought you said it was the mom. I thought it was the the birth mom, but then like one lady was credited as both. Um, so maybe it was maybe she was playing two characters like oh. in a like an American Horror Story season, which mm-hmm. is very confusing. Um, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Anyway, at any rate, either the birth mom or the nun or both, <laughs> because maybe she was the mom. Yeah, um, goes crazy, starts having visions, becomes a cult leader in North Carolina. But that for some reason. We cut to a North Carolina church where there is a man preaching, and then he introduces her as like a special guest. And it's like she's not a great cult leader if she's like the featured player in this sermon. Mm-hmm. But anyway, she like holds up this rattlesnake and lets it decide whether people are like worthy of you know the afterlife. Um, but when the private detective guy shows up and tries to ask her about her baby or whatever, who knows? Mm-hmm. I had also slipped past paying attention at that point. Mm-hmm. But anyway. She like loses her faith, I guess, and the rattlesnakes start start to bite her, and it's the snakes just, just start leashing out on everybody. The snakes go crazy. Yeah, and you know, I mean, maybe 
rattlesnakes are always scary, but especially having grown up in Southern California, they are like the main thing that are a threat. And, and wildfires. Well, yeah, but you know, there's not a lot of like great wildfire movies. Right. Um, no, but I'm saying like if you're walking on a trail and you see earthquakes. It in, okay. I'm just like a physical living threat. Um, and they're scary because they're insidious. They're snakes. They're like flat on the ground and mm-hmm. they're small, but they're just really evil. Uh-huh. I mean, I grew up in the city, so I'm more afraid of the raccoons than anything. Oh, as you should be. Those things but... are the size of bears. Let me tell you what. The sewer raccoons. <laughs> I don't know what's in our sewers that is growing, is making them grow so big, but it's probably some environmental pollution. I don't know. So we, I'm sorry, world. We were walking home from the beach once and we were like, oh, there's a couple cats. And one of them was a cat. But the other one started walking, and we were like, why does it look like the Hunchback of Notre Dame? And then it turns <laughs> out it was the world's biggest raccoon, and we crossed the street. <laughs> Brennan made me cross the street. I was ready to face it head on. And you were ready to get rabies. Probably. I can get a shot. I have no fear for shots. Do you, have you seen how big the rabies shot is? Have you? No. Do you want to see? Sure. Look it up. Where's my phone? It's right by your knee. Okay. Because let me tell you what. You do not want the rabies shot. Um. Anyway, so raccoons are bad. What are we, okay, rattlesnakes. I'm just saying. I grew up towards the deserty areas, I suppose. And let me tell you, rattlesnakes are nobody's business. They're not fun. We don't need them. Mm-hmm. And it was just scary to see them in action. Yep. Um. And it was just. It was. What's your stance on coyotes? Um. Well, one time I did uh, hear a bunch of coyotes howling, and there were like five sitting on the street staring up in my bedroom window. So, not great. (laughs) That's so haunting. Yeah, it was so scary. Here's a picture of the rabies vaccine shot situation. Oh, it's so long. Yeah, girl. Why does it need to be that long? It's got to really get in there. (laughs) Oh, well. I'd do it for the gram. Just to get a picture with the raccoon? Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, no, that was scary. And th- there's a part where the uh, private detective she hires, played by character actor Michael Lerner, a.k.a. the only person you've ever seen in any other project before. Um, he's looking at this little nativity scene because it's a Christmas movie, sort of. There's at least two sequences set on Christmas. Mm-hmm. But he sees a little baby Jesus in a manger, but then it turns into a big scary, or a little scary, like, pale doll of the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. And that was freaky. And then the Christmas carolers turn into like weird zombies and they sing the omen song like They appear out of nowhere. Well they were there before. There were carolers on the street and then they turned oh. into the demon carolers. Oh. Which was very silly, but I like it. It was so silly. I was so over it at that point. <laughs> and the weird dark little manger. It was crazy. Yeah. Anyway, what's um good good transition. What's your campiness score? Three. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's the strongest aspect of the movie, but it's still a TV movie, and those tend to be a little more toned down. Uh-huh. Um, what was campy? Uh, I appreciated the... I don't know if I'm should, I should say this for the overall score, um, but all of the shout-outs to the original movie, I felt were just kind of, like, half-assed. I or not very so. good. So that, to me, made them campy. Oh no! I mean, and that—that's fair. And there, I mean, there's of course what what we briefly mentioned before the freaking zany score of this movie. Yeah, it—it it was bonkers. <laughs> it's like a cartoon. 
It's not even. It's not even seemingly in a minor key or attempting to be scary. If if it feels like like the Winnie the Pooh blustery day, yeah. Like it just feels like it's windy in a cartoon, and that's the exact atmosphere they were going for. Uh-huh. It was the first five minutes of the movie, and they were setting up some pretty like heavy exposition. But and as, nuns are slapping each other. And as they were doing this, like this crazy score is playing that it's so distracting. And I'm like, what is even happening? Why is it so loud? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's so loud. It drowns out all the dialogue. And it's just like, it's like you're watching a feather float in Harry Potter. It's mm-hmm. like... do bring Harry Potter into this. No, I'm sorry. No, I mean, there are... there. It just It's so inadequate for the scene that it's trying to present. Mm-hmm. It's not bad music. It would work in other circumstances. Uh-huh. Like, I think it might have worked in something like Hasta el Viento Tiene Miedo, which is the Mexican movie that we watched many, many years ago at this point. Because yeah. um, every aspect of that movie was designed to feel windy. Because mm-hmm. it's about a windstorm and how it kind of brings up a ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what else is good? What else? It can't be in this movie. What? Tell me. The nanny and her crystals. Oh, yeah. Um, the the like her first nanny is like this weird new age psychedelic chick who has like a healing crystal necklace, and the crystals all turn black because of their contact with the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. And the girl Delia just keeps calling all of her crystal stuff stupid junk, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, you would not do well in the LA scene these days, my friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Speaking of which, I have to reach out to my crystal dealer. Sure. Um, All my sapphires have turned to rubies in your presence. Oh, I think that's a. I think that's good. You're welcome. It is good. If it's gem to gem, it's great. Yeah. If it's like sapphires to cubic zirconias, that's like ooh. Yeah. If it's gem to hologram, no, thank you. <laughs> um, but there is a scene where the nanny takes her to like a psychic fair, and all of the psychics sense her aura, and she burns the place down. Yeah, she burns it down, and like she just they're walking through, and she's just freaking out all the psychics, and it's kind of hilarious. Yeah. Um. And, oh, yeah, they take an aura photograph of her, which is used as evidence because, you know, th- th- this movie is very into converting stuff that is spiritual and vague and, like, not provable and making it, like, hard, cold fact mm-hmm. in, in the world of this movie. Mm-hmm. But, like, first of all, they say that she her aura is very red and spooky, and they say she has the aura of a Borgia <laughs> and not of an eight-year-old girl, yeah. which is hilarious. Uh, I really expect you to know history with that. Yeah, that was so strange. I was like, really? They're they're the closest we have to <laughs> Satan? I mean, they weren't great people, mm-hmm. but it was very strange. Um, but also, again, um, I think we experienced this in at least one or two of the previous movies. They do really crazy interpretations of the books of Revelation, of the book of Revelation, and present it as absolute fact instead of an interpretation of biblical poetry. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, this monster with the ten heads obviously represents the UN or whatever, and the seven diadems on these heads. It's the Book of Revelation is pretty nuts. You should read it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, and this represents this, and she's like, well, what's the fourth kingdom? And he's like, well, obviously it's Rome. And I was like, there, there, there's not a a one to one translation of all of this stuff in the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's all up for interpretation. I feel like we got some of that in some of the other movies too. No, we did. That's what I was saying. There was definitely that in like he rose from the sea, the chaotic and never ending sea, which clearly means politics. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> It, it it's just 
it's so strange the the leaps the logical leaps that they make in order to make this dumb plot work mm-hmm. uh, also there's a secret book bookshelf secret passage in their house which is their house is cool we only see it once in a montage and then never again i'm like why why did this happen why did they have a secret bookshelf for whom mm-hmm. anyway so going to goriness yes brennan what was your score two i have a one really oh just there's well. no gore I mean, there's a part where she stabbed the doctor's hand with a scalpel. Okay, that was good. That was pretty cool. That was really good. That whole reveal was really good. About actually. how the doctor was a Rosemary's Baby doctor? Yeah. So, should we just go into overall? Because this doesn't really fit into the into the goriness score. Can I just... I, I do want to give a shout out to two deaths. Okay. every Omen movie has a solid death. This one had the worst of them. Because the first one, we get David Warner being de- decapitated by a yes. shade of glass. Great. Second one, we have that great elevator kill with the doctor character. Yes. Third one, we have that crazy guy who, like, shoots himself in his office. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that, that elaborate scene. Yeah. That was great, too. In this one, we have two that are good, and they add up to something memorable. There's that um, that car decapitation that's an echo of the first one, but mm-hmm. then there's a, the detective character gets hit by a giant wrecking ball on a construction crew but first the wrecking ball just smashes through an entire building to get to him and it was pretty mm-hmm. fun mm-hmm. Um, wasn't it implied that the little girl did that somehow with like eggs i think it, it th- this movie did that thing that a lot of uh movies that can't show gore do is that they imply it by mm-hmm. cuts like we we do not see the severed head but we do see a a rubber ball with a clown's head on it bouncing mm-hmm. which is supposed to represent the head mm-hmm and then when the guy gets hit by the wrecking ball, it cuts to an egg cracking. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's necessary. Obviously, she or whatever satanic forces she possesses are doing it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's supposed to show that she's specifically making that specific thing happen. Mm-hmm. It's just like a cut to make you feel like, oh, he's he's just a pile of guts now. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so quality. Quality. What were we, what were we landed on there? So... Qu- <laughs> Quality. Um, that's a fly in my face. Oh, no. Uh, uh, quality, two. Yeah, me too. Um, and that's only because of the reveal at the end. But continue, Brennan. Well, what is the reveal at the end? What's your score? This. Two. Okay. So, the reveal at the end. The reveal is right after she stabs a doctor. She's like, you have to tell me what's going on. Because I know you know more than what you're letting, uh-huh. what you're letting on. So, then he reveals that... Uh, she is not the Antichrist. Yeah, Delia, the child. Delia is not the Antichrist. So then we're kind of like, whoa, what the fuck? Because we thought this child was, this is progress. Yeah, you know? it's girl Damien. It's feminism. Uh, a woman can be the devil too. Yeah, just like the go- women can be Ghostbusters, women can be the Antichrist. Uh-huh. So it turns out that it, that's not true. That she was, um, that she absorbed her twin in the womb. Yeah. Uh, she held on to it or something. Uh, and then it kept when it alive. She, apparently, when she fell off a horse, uh, she was started menstruating. Allegedly, uh, oh yeah, that was a really dropped thing. Um, and then so the doctor removed her twin from the womb, which I guess would have been in that area. Uh, I guess, yeah, it was, her hymen was her twin or something. I uh-huh. don't know. Um, which I don't know if that's completely ethical. Um, but he's a Satanist. Yeah. And so then he took this twin and implanted it into the, the mother. 
Uh-huh. Um, and so then she later gives birth to a child who we are led to believe is, you know, her own child. Um, but it's actually Satan's child. Yeah. Both and of, some unknown mother. Yeah. Both of these kids are supposedly Damien's children mm-hmm. um, that she has adopted. And I don't know. We saw him have sex with that British lady. So maybe that's from that in the previous movie. Mm-hmm. Remember? Um so yeah, who who could care? It's like in Carrie too, where it's like, oh, Carrie's dad also slept with this lady, and you're like, fine, whatever, who cares? Mm-hmm. Um, when you said Carrie too, I instantly thought Sex in the City too. Also demonic. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think there were parts of this movie that almost had me feeling that this might have been the best Omen movie because it was fully embracing how cheesy and dumb this story is. Uh huh. Because I have always said that these movies are chintzy horror movies dressed up as fancy movies. Mm-hmm. And this movie does not think that it's fancy. Um, Being made for TV will do that for you. That's true. You and, know you're lame. So, yeah, it was kind of feeling like a cross between um, Rosemary's Baby and The Orphan for a while. And I was like, all right, I can get down with this. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a dumb kind of, like neat movie about like a woman being gaslit by the devil or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it just kind of falls apart. Let me tell you the first sign that this movie wasn't going to be great. The soundtrack, the score. Well, that was, that was the second sign. Cause the first sign is literally the opening credits. Okay. Um, which credits two separate directors, which is never a good sign. That's um, true. But one of what those... about the Daniels? No, but, um, the, the, the Daniels were working together. And the Cohen brothers. No, th- this is not a team of directors. This is a situation of one and the director. the Farley brothers. Farley brothers. Um, one director either getting fired or quitting, and then another director taking over, which is not a good sign. No, it's not. Um, but one of those directors is Dominique Athen and Gerard, who directed, who directed Halloween 5, which is one of the worst Halloween movies. Um, so when one of the... Like, it's not even like, oh, like a Joss Whedon has stepped in or whatever. It's like, oh, there are two directors, which already means it's been a troubled production. And one of those directors is not particularly good. So sad. Um, and this movie, it's the shortest Omen movie by probably 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. But it felt like such an amble. It was such a slog. Yeah. Um, there, especially like in the psychic fair, there's a lot of just random cuts to... You know, just establishing shots uh-huh. and just random psychics. And there's just, it just feels, it lingers in every scene. There's just a lot of random stuff that we're looking at that doesn't have anything to do with anything. Uh-huh. It has that problem that some of the other Omen movies have where it's kind of like multiple plots happening at the same time because there's such a cast of characters uh-huh. and we have to follow them. And because, I mean, it works, I think, for television because television get breaks and stuff. Uh-huh. But. Uh, when it's just a movie, you're just like, oh, now we're back with this fool. Now we're back here. And it's who am I supposed to care about? And why am I even caring about them? That's yeah. No, I, I completely agree. It's a it's it's a fine TV movie. Like, I didn't hate it, but it's I just, did. Oh, did you? Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, I just thought it was mediocre um and unimpressive and i'll never think about it or watch it again i thought that the reveal so i don't even know if i i'm still on the reveal. oh yeah we never got there um i'm still like i think the reveal was great because that was something that i don't know if i could have ever thought of in my diseased daydreams yeah like like this she's not the antichrist she is the like warden of the antichrist Uh uh-huh and now it's her little brother yeah so that was pretty crazy because did you see that coming no because it's dumb it's crazy 
That is true. It's creative. I do like crazy things. Um. So yeah, it is dumb, but I don't. Know. I give it credit for that. That's it's one saving grace for me. Okay. Yeah. It, it at least had a melodramatic twist. That's something I can get behind. That's its one saving disgrace for me. Ha. Good. Yeah. That was like a chilling adventures of Sabrina level yeah. like unholy pun. That's what I was trying to do. That was good. Um yeah, I think that's about it for this movie. It's a very thin movie. It's it's a it's you know, it's a bad remake of the omen. Um although speaking of, uh we're gonna get to our guesses as to the movie we're watching next time, which is the actual bad remake of the omen. I can't judge it, I've never seen it. Um I've seen it and it's okay. It's just really I mean I'm I'm not gonna say anything. Okay. Once uh, you decide, come to it on your own, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. Decide your own opinions. Unbiased opinions here. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about that and also what we're watching next week. But first, here's, yeah, here's how you can get in contact with the show. How can you do that, Brennan? You can find us on Twitter at Scream101Pod. What about Facebook? Uh, Scream101Podcast. What about Instagram? We don't have one of those. You can find me on Instagram at the Burning Glam if you want. What about Twitter? I already did that. What about email? Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. And how can I subscribe? Uh, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can uh, rate and review us. And if you give us five stars, um, well, promising gifts has never seemed to work in the past. So can I promise? I'll promise glory this time. <laughs> um, Personal shout out. Yes, that. And that's uh, our theme song is A Beat for You by Pseudo Echo. So next week, we're hitting up Children of the Corn for what? The second to last time. With Children of the Corn Genesis, the, the first film in this franchise that was actually produced in the current decade. It was from 2011. Awesome. And spoiler alert, we've pre-recorded that episode, and it's it's going to be crazy. <laughs> I don't remember anything from it. Um, well, yeah, it was a while ago. But, uh, yeah, so let's talk a little bit more. Next week, we're going to be watching The Omen 2006. Um, next week or in two weeks? Oh, yeah, sorry. I meant next in a month, actually. <laughs> Next, for Christmas. <laughs> next time next time we hit up the omen, we're gonna be talking about the remake, and that's gonna be our final omen movie. Are you gonna are you gonna miss the omen franchise when we're done with it? I'm pretty pretty okay with it. Yeah. What do you mean three weeks? Because don't we do like a nightmare on Elm Street in between them? Yeah, no, well look, it goes corn omen, corn elm street, corn omen. It's a month. Corn omen Look it's Corn Elm Street. Yeah, and then Corn and Omen. Okay. So it's going to be like a whole month before we get to the next Omen. That's literally what I said. Sorry, I wasn't following because you had confused me earlier. I'm so sorry. I confused myself, and I only have myself to blame. True. Anyway, so... Okay, so yeah, we're just going to... Are you, are you excited to rewatch the remake? Do you yes. have any feelings towards it? You, yes, I am very excited. I am reserving judgment so that you can come to it... Um, with a clean slate and an open heart, which is how we should all approach our movies. Are you still mad that I didn't like How the Grinch Stole Christmas? <laughs> um, you know, I was going to save this conversation for private times, but if you're ready to throw down, <laughs> then yeah. I'm talking I about am. the Jim Carrey one, by the way. Um, so I don't know if this conversation is for this podcast, but Brennan didn't want to watch a movie that I wanted to watch. And then he ruined Christmas single-handedly. <laughs> He was the Grinch. Oh, and he sure. stole my right. Christmas. Anyway, um, until next week, for more corny mayhem, we'll see you on the flippity flop, and good luck on your journey. Stay gold, everybody. Bye bye. 
This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart.